0: Hello and Merry Christmas from the VBPH Sermon Podcast. It's Pastor Adam here along with Pastor Dave. Hello, hello and welcome back. We wanted to just (laughs) record a quick intro for these remaining episodes of 2022 Season 5 that uh, we wanted to announce what we are doing for the final week of this show in 2022. Dave, tell them what's coming up starting on Sunday. So we're going to do something a little bit different this year. Normally we do a top 10 episodes of the year. This time we're doing a top seven. So the final week of 2022 will be the top seven episodes for each day. So in other words, the top Sunday episode, the top Monday episode, and so on and so forth. Uh, and so it won't just be like, oh, the the most popular um episodes because, as we have found out, y'all like some, you some uh, Wayman Mitchell. <laughs> that is correct. If we did a simple top 10, it would be like six Pastor Mitchell sermons and then one Pastor Greg Mitchell sermon. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> we thought it would, be, uh, it would be helpful to give what we... Uh, have observed to see what is the, you know, what is the most popular episode for each day of the week. So that's what you're getting uh, for the final week of 2022, starting on Christmas Day and going through New Year's Eve. We hope you look forward to that. There's one more quick announcement that we wanted to share with you. On Thursday, December 29th, we are doing a live online meetup. That means we want to meet with you. This is going to be open not only to our premium subscribers, but to any of our subscribers. We're going to be hosting an hour-long meetup online uh and there is more information to be coming out very soon about that but we wanted to give you a heads up that's happening Thursday night the 29th of December 8:30 p.m. on the east coast eastern standard time and we want everybody as many people as possible to join us for that we have some questions some mm-hmm. uh we have some we want to get from you some recommendations yes. and uh we also want to use that opportunity to say thank you for a great year of podcasting so uh, we hope that you enjoy today's sermon and we look forward to a week of top seven and most of all, to our podcast meetup on Thursday the 29th. Enjoy today's sermon.
1: Thank you for coming to the conference tonight. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter nine. I always pray that God would give me an outstanding gourmet meal but all I come up with is meat and potatoes, so <laughs> here we go. In this Bible conference, there are, many people are going to be surrounded by people who are making decisions for life. And uh, as they're doing that, this is going to affect their entire future. I preached a sermon recently. I said it. I'm, I'm sobered by the understanding that the people we send out are setting the course of their life for good or for bad, the rest of their life. And it's a very sobering thing. So as we ponder this for a moment, some people are going to be in this conference and they're not going to make any decision. I hope that's not you. Because not making a decision means you're making a decision. Some of you are going to finish tonight, and say, I'm not called. and That's going to to settle it for you. So we want to talk about calling tonight from this passage of Scripture. And as we begin to come to grips with our calling, what constitutes a calling? And as we ponder that, is calling a decision that God makes, or do you make that? Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9. Verse 36. But when Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they were faint and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then said he to his disciples, this harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray you, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, uh, that he will send forth labors uh, into his harvest. So let's ponder this for a moment. First of all, let's look at the vision and the arena that we're considering tonight uh, because we live in a sin-cursed world. had an interesting uh, little clip, says a report covering a recent 30-year period shows crime had increased by 500% in the last 30 years. Illegitimate births increased by 400%. The teen suicide rate has tripled. Three times the number of children live in single-parent homes. Incest and child molestation have become a national concern. Police estimate that just 25% of instances of incest and child molestation are reported. Enough teachers and students have been gunned down to make weapons checks uh, commonplace in schools. Uh, The entertainment industry has discovered it could display violence and sexually explicit scenes with minimal public resistance. That's a sad picture, but that's a true picture. Jesus looks out, and as he looks out upon this crowd, uh, he says something, he saw something similar to what we're looking at setting this tent uh, here tonight scattered sheep uh, having no shepherd in many cases years ago i was with some men we were down in wickenburg uh, area we we're hunting jack rabbits uh, and uh, as we were there they bring sheep down from the mountains in the winter time especially in the spring, because. When we get some rain in the desert, the grass springs up uh, and they bring in hundreds and thousands of sheep uh, for a period of time. They bring in shepherds uh, from Mexico and from Spain to watch over and sleep with those. uh, And uh, then when it begins to heat up, they load them up, take them back to the mountains again. And they had come and loaded those sheep up that day. We're driving along in a jeep. uh, we're looking for jackrabbits. We're doing Al Gore a favor. We're cleaning up the, the, uh, <laughs> the predators that are there. And up ahead, trotting down the path, there's a lone sheep. He's been left. He was wandering when they were loading them up, and he has been left there, a lone sheep in the middle of that desert there. The man that was driving said, uh, that sheep has been left now. We could take that sheep if we wanted to because he's been abandoned. We could legally take that sheep. That sheep will not last the night because we're in a hostile territory where many coyotes and wolves live. And that sheep, he said, will not last the night. And that sheep stopped and looked back at us like he's thinking, Look, won't you help me? I'm abandoned here. We left him there. We didn't take him. We left him there knowing that he's not going to last the night. Now think about that for a moment because here's an apt picture of human nature because Jesus looks upon that crowd of people that day. He saw exactly what we have here in this tent tonight, uh, sheep uh, that many of them have no shepherd. So let's ponder this for a moment, because in this audience, uh, there are examples uh, of sheep. God says uh, that we're like sheep. When he said that, that's not a compliment. Sheep are some of the most stupid creatures uh, on planet Earth. When they roll over on their side uh, and their back, they cannot get back up they're terrified to walk through a stream of water without a shepherd they're totally helpless Uh, and so let's think about this in this audience uh, there are people that are involved in moral bondage I don't have to ask you individually I'm a pastor and I know that there are people sitting here tonight you're involved in moral bondage Uh, some of you have been molested sexually Many of you are, uh, uh, are covered by guilt and shame. As you're sitting here tonight, uh, you have this past history. I put together a sermon this week. I was tempted to preach it, but I'm not going to preach it. Uh, healing of broken hearts. It would fit in this audience tonight, but I want to preach another sermon. We have people here who have opioid addiction. We even have in our church a rehab ministry and uh, David Sanchez, working successfully with many people who are hooked on uh, opioids uh, as they're sitting in this building tonight. We have people here tonight that you've had an operation, and when you had that operation, the doctor gave you either oxycodone or oxycontin. uh, The moment you took it, you were hooked, and you're hooked right now. In our churches, it would be wonderful if everyone who attends our churches We're freed from drug addiction, but they're not. Our churches are filled with people who are hooked on prescription medication. Sitting here in this tent tonight, uh, you are a sheep uh, desperate for God uh, to do a miracle in your life. Uh, There are people here tonight that you uh, have been wounded in your innermost being by being betrayed in marriage or abandoned with children. There are people here tonight that come from fatherless homes. Either your father refused to take responsibility for you when you were born, or he was dysfunctional uh, and you lived your life. There are people here who have been molested. There are people, there are women here that you're part of the Me Too generation that has become popular in our media Isaiah echoes Jesus' words in Isaiah 1, verses 5 and 6. The whole head is sick, and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot, even unto the head, there's no... Soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores, they've not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. He's describing as he viewed the human race with all their ills and with all that sin has done in that. So let's think for a moment about the emotion that is going to move to Heal this. There's a challenge that confronts us. Jesus used a word, and that word was compassion. Say with me, compassion. Compassion. Say it again. So we're talking about something that's more than just a cliché. We had a president one time. His name was Bill Clinton. He was famous for saying... I feel your pain. I doubt seriously if Bill Clinton ever felt anything. <laughs> so this is more than just a cliché. And think about this now because we're Christian people. Most Christian people, when you talk about uh, uh, evangelizing, they say, yes, we, we believe in evangelizing. Most churches, when you talk about missions, they'll tell you, yes, we believe in missions. But if you ask them what they're doing to evangelize, you'll find very little activity in that way. Or if you talk to them about missions, there'll be very little that's done to fulfill what that really means, evangelism or missions. If we finish this conference and we planted no churches, we have failed God. Lock that in your mind. We're aiming to plant churches tonight. I want you to take that to heart uh, because this is what we're after, uh, and this is only going to come to pass with compassion. Think about this for a moment uh, because the Bible says Jesus, uh, as he looked upon that crowd, as he looks upon this crowd, uh, he was seized uh, with uh, compassion. The dictionary says uh, Compassion is a feeling of sorrow or pity for the sufferings or misfortunes of another. Think about that for a moment. A feeling of sorrow or pity for the feelings or the misfortunes of another. Jesus spells this out in a story. When he's considering the issue of the good neighbor, he tells a story of the Good Samaritan. The essence of the story is that a certain man was on his way to Jericho. On his way, he fell among thieves who beat him, who robbed him, and left him crippled by the path. A priest passes by, looks upon him, moves on the other side because he doesn't want to defile himself. A Levite, one who served in the temple, he looked upon him. He also went his way, and finally, a despised Samaritan, one who the Jews didn't feel even were fit to fire the fires of hell. He passed by, saw the man. As he saw the man, he had compassion on him, the Bible says, and he had compassion on him. He stopped, he bound up his wounds, poured in oil and wine, took him to the nearest inn, paid the innkeeper money, and said, Take this. Uh, If it's going to cost more than this to house him until I get back, I'll make up the difference uh, and win his way, because he uh, had compassion, uh, and Jesus is trying to touch his generation uh, with a feeling uh, of compassion. Luke 10, verse 33 says, A certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, he came where this crippled man was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Now, ponder that for a moment, because he's concerned enough to do something about this man's condition, and that sums up this business of compassion. cost him money, cost him time, cost him care. And so, let's break this down now as we're seated here tonight in this conference. Without labors, uh, these are simply empty words. You can talk about uh, evangelism, you can talk about missions, uh, but without labors, uh, that will respond to the need. Uh, You're just simply using words. Uh, And in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse uh, 8, the Bible says, uh, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. So let's ask a question tonight. Is there no one to respond to the appeal that we have? Think about this for a moment. Psalms 142 and verse 4 says, I looked on my right hand and behold, there was no man that would know me. Refuge fail me. No man cared uh, for my soul. Listen to this song for a moment. It's called No Man Careth for My Soul. Far away on distant shores, many souls are in despair. For their hearts are sad and weighted down with sin. And their tear-stained faces plead for relief from all their care, persecution from without, uh, and fear within. Poor lost souls with blinded eyes uh, Grope about in sin's dark night, kneeling down before their gods uh, of wood and stone. Can we see them dying there, still denied the gospel light, uh, let them go into eternity alone? Lord, I've heard the millions cry, and my life to Thee I give. Winning souls for Thee, dear Lord, will be my goal. Send me out to distant shores, uh, let me labor there and live, let me tell each one Christ cares for your soul. Here's the chorus. No man cares for my soul, thus cry the millions. No man cares for my soul, oh hear their plea. Won't you give their life today? Give your life today to spread the gospel so that Christ can save their souls and set them free. I read a story one time of a missionary. He had given an altar call, and an elderly woman responded to that altar call, thrilled as tears were streaming down her face. And she said to this missionary, how long have you known about this wonderful story of the Savior? He said, over 2,000 years. She said, 2,000 years? And you just now are coming to tell me I'm nearly 100 years old. If I had heard this uh, when I was young, I would have immediately responded to give my soul to Jesus Christ. So how do you respond tonight to this responsibility? How did you respond tonight when there was time for us to pray for this service, for God to grip the hearts of people who are I say again, if we finish this conference, no churches are planted, we have failed God. We're just being religious. How did you respond to the offering tonight? Did you respond as God was dealing with you to respond and meet the need? If you did not, then perhaps these are just empty words that we're speaking. And when we say compassion, it's just a cliché that you hear. So let's talk about for a moment the dynamics uh, of calling. I had a quote and that quote is that many of us often when we hear this word call or calling uh, we begin to examine our own hearts and question I wonder if I'm called. So let's ponder that for a moment uh, because Jesus said pray the Lord of the harvest uh, that he will send forth workers or laborers into his harvest. Because God is involved in calling. Say out loud with me, calling. Calling. Say it again. God is involved in calling. Sometimes this is dramatic. In Acts chapter 13 and verse 2, they are gathered together in church at Antioch, and the Bible says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work unto which I have called him. That was a dramatic moment. Can you say amen? amen? And we thank God for that, and sometimes this is what happens. But most experiences of calling are not that dramatic. God uses a variety of, 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 of dimensions. Uh, I, uh, sometimes it's a burden. Sometimes it's an emotion. He overwhelms us. Uh, sometimes uh, uh, it's a sympathy that grabs a hold of our heart. We become sympathetic uh, as that was there. I was in a Bible conference some years ago. And as I was in that Bible conference, the assistant pastor was preaching. And as he was preaching, I was listening carefully, and so uh, I began to examine in my spirit uh, what that man was saying. He was saying, "Unless an angel of God gives you a personal message, you're not called of God." I'm sitting there listening. I cocked my head at that man, and I said, "There's a man that's called of God. He's trying to justify not doing that." I said, "I'm a pastor. You're dreaming. No, I'm not dreaming." I knew the man was called. He's trying to explain why he's there riding the cushion of comfort and not obeying God. And he did later go out and begin to pastor. Uh, But as I was preaching this, I knew this man's trying to justify this. So let's ponder this business of calling for a moment, because Scripture gives us specific dimensions. And Jesus said... Uh, the Lord of harvest will send forth uh, labors into his harvest this is a a strong word this is the Greek word ekbalo to eject literally or figuratively to bring forth uh, to cast out to drive out uh, to expel to send away now ponder those words for a moment uh, because Jesus said pray the Lord of the harvest, if he will force out, throw out, eject out, uh, send out, uh, or make you miserable enough that you're going to go out. Because that's what the word means. Ponder that for a moment, uh, if you will. Here's the harvest. I was thinking today, uh, I've had the privilege of living a long time, and uh, I one time pastored in Australia. In Australia, uh, trying to get men to go up in the northwest shelf and isolated places and and uh, work in those mines, they offer them uh, all kinds of benefits. And one thing that they were offering then was if these miners would go up and work uh, in these isolated places, uh, at the end of a year, they would pay their uh, full ticket to, uh, a round-trip ticket to either the Philippines or Malaysia or Singapore or one of those cities uh, uh, and give them a two-week paid vacation pay all expenses uh, and they were enlisting men to come and work in those isolated places so I knew that I, I was aware of that so I was uh, preaching in the Philippines I was in the hotel went down to the dining room and was eating I looked over a, a, a few tables there they had a orchestra that was playing and entertaining it was a nice restaurant in that hotel and there was an Aussie over there I would judge him to be in his middle 50s could have been in his 60s depending how hard he'd lived he was drunk he's making a lot of noise he had paid the orchestra to pay Waltzing Matilda and we got a lot of Aussies here tonight, so they're identifying with this. You know, uh, uh, for a long time it was nothing but Hispanics that came in, but now they're letting the Aussies in. So it's a sad world, I'll tell you what. <laughs> That's a joke. So here he is. He's drunk. He's loud. And sitting by him was a young girl. I would say she's probably 20 to 21 years old. Beautiful Young girl immediately I knew what she is she's a prostitute. He's up having a whore holiday. She's miserable because uh, she he's embarrassing her and she knows of course his attentions being called to her that we know everybody else knows who she is and what she's doing. Now think about that for a moment because that story could be repeated millions of times around the world. In countries where sin reigns I felt so sorry for that young girl he's not even a handsome Aussie he was an ugly Aussie and the world's filled with many expressions exactly like that is why Jesus looked out and saw the multitudes and he was moved with compassion for them, because the image is moving us beyond the normal things of life. Perhaps you have relationships that that fits their image, or perhaps that's your past history. So let's think about this for a moment. How about you? Maybe the difficulties and the events in your church. God's nudging you. Did you ever read the scripture in the Old Testament that uh, uh, that says uh, that he, uh, uh, as eagle stirs up her nest? you know what that really means? Uh, God is wanting his people to fulfill his will. He uses this imagery of an eagle stirring up her nest. What do eagles do when they bear these little eaglets? Uh, It's all padded. It's made warm. They put wool down there, and it's very, very comfortable. And the eagle and her mate brings back food every day to feed these little eaglets. But the problem is that every day they're gaining strength and they're gaining size, and it comes time when it's time for them to learn to fly. They're not going to do this by their own, and so the eagle goes in, starts to pick out the soft things, all the. Uh, the, the cushion, the wool and so on, until finally the eagles are sitting there and it's beginning to be uncomfortable. The briars and all are beginning to prick them in the rear end. And the eagle is preparing them for this launching. And when it comes the time, picks them up, takes them over, drops them, and they have to start to learn to use these wings Won't let them hit the ground, but comes, swoops in under them, catches them again, takes them up again, throws them out again. (laughs) Now the Bible says this is what God does. Maybe you're here tonight and uh, the nest is getting uncomfortable. Have you considered it? maybe God is uh, preparing you for something future? Maybe the problems that you're running into tonight... uh, is actually God unsettling you? It could be so, you know. Maybe the ministry isn't any more comfortable where you are. Maybe God's giving you an extra push tonight. Or if you're a pastor and that disciple's been saying to you, Pastor, send me out. Pa- send me out. I'm ready. Pastor. No, 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 no. You're, no, you're not ready yet. He's making too much money putting in the offering plate. You don't want him to go out, you know it does happen you know so maybe you're in this conference tonight and God has your future in hand he's not happy with what you're doing or how you're behaving yourself and he wants to make you be launched into what your destiny is really all about maybe he's challenging you to plant that disciple Maybe he's planting you to leave that cushioned place that you have uh, and go into what he's called you for. As I was preparing this, I was thinking: in 1990, we had a horrible split. A bunch of idiots left our fellowship. Most of them, no, most of them, self-destructed. And so, some of those men had talked to me. Yeah. Hello. Some of those men had talked to me. Yeah they were actually feeling called to overseas ministry but not just yet one of them specifically an able minister said to me he was called to a certain place in africa even named the city but he said i'm going to go next year the problem was his pastor pulled the fellowship out uh, uh, his church out uh, and he never got that uh, that uh, opportunity he never get the chance to do that because that church self-destructed, his pastor self-destructed. And last I heard, he was in the construction business, uh, never fulfilled his ministry. So ponder that for a moment, uh, because when God speaks, uh, it's time to act. Can you say amen? amen? So I read that verse of Scripture from Isaiah, Who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. We have John Perry, who's a missionary to Fiji. He's coming to this conference, and he's going to preach on Thursday. John Perry is a real missionary. He's not just putting in his time. He's, he's a real missionary. I used to fly him into various nations, uh, and he would go in and uh, start to uh, make contact with somebody in legal, establish a, uh, an organization so that we could invite ourselves in. And he did that successfully several times. Uh, He's going to preach on Thursday. When he preaches on Thursday, if you uh, have any responsibility at all and you don't think you ever want to go over to... Don't come to that service. (laughs) When John preaches, I want to go resign and and say, send me. He's a real missionary. He's got the goods. So let's think about that. Jesus said, pray the Lord of harvest... uh, that he will force out workers. Uh, Say, oh no, I don't want him to force me out. No, I'm just talking about conditions uh, that make you willing. God won't make you do what you don't want to do. He'll just make you wish you did. So the need tonight is enough for a call. You don't need an angel to speak to you. You don't need your name called out in tongues, interpretation or prophecy. The need is before us. uh, And I want to say besides that, we have been privileged to live in the Trump generation. That means something. That means something. Because that factors at work right now. More money is in the pockets of the people that are attending our churches than have ever been in the history of the world and that's not finished because when Donald Trump was elected people could make money again business flourished 10,000 houses right across the road here between here and Chino Valley are going to be built 3,000 over there some of them are going to come to this church they're going to give money and in your neighborhood uh, People are making money again, getting jobs, getting pay raises. Uh, and uh, so I was, uh, It's it very interesting. I, I preached this somewhere. I preached recently in our church, and I said, uh, Father's Day. Thank God for fathers that get out of, the, out of bed and go to work. Can you say amen? amen? They don't all do that, you know. So I said, superior uh, manufacturing out here, we've got about 30 men working out there getting paid good wages and I said pray for superior they're talking about building another building and hiring another hundred men so I said pray for superior that God enlarges them gives the workers pay raises we have these men out a man called me uh, Monday afternoon said pastor guess what we went to work they called us all in and said we're not paying you enough money (laughs) give the whole bunch pay raises Think about that for a moment. That's going to increase. Uh, Don't take that for granted. That money is so that we can finance uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ because we're living in a favorable time uh, for America to do what God has called us to do. Pray the Lord of the harvest. Isn't it interesting? It's a dangerous thing to pray, folks. Because the very people who Jesus asked to pray were the ones that he thrust out. I want you to bow your heads. I want you to close your eyes. Calling. God's dealing with workers that are in this uh, conference tonight.
0: of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.